Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. So, I went to an event this last week. I want to open up with this intro. I went to an event this last week. We went to the Winter Jam. It's an amazing concert. It's an amazing place. Always look forward to it. My sermon title tonight, thank you guys, is Fast Pass. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, Fast Pass. Fast Pass. We went to an event, and I love going to events. I love going to concerts. I love going to amusement parks. Um, And I love going to all these different things, but if there's one thing I do not like, it's long lines, right? The line was so long at this event, we waited outside for at least three hours or so. And then there's even worse lines because there's some places that you cannot avoid in life, like the tax office. Come on, oh, like, right? I had experienced that this last week and the line was so long. Or maybe the DMV. Don't you just love that place so much? Especially if you have a lot of kids, you got to spend so much time there getting everything settled. But even worse than lines, I think it's worse whenever somebody cuts in front of you in the line. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You are so sweet and so nice, but then whenever somebody cuts in front of you in the line, I know your fangs start to show. You get all angry, like, oh my gosh. You're just like, can you believe that person did that? I remember one time, um, me and my sisters and some of the students and some young adults went to this event called Hope in Life, and it's at Lakewood Church, and it's an awesome gathering to just young people worshiping God, hearing words and everything. And on the last night of the conference, they had brought in tons of food trucks with all different types of food, and people, you know, got out after church, and it was an amazing service. John Gray brought the word. I love Pastor John Gray, and I was like, man, this is just a life-changing mind. Many people gave their life to Jesus. You think everybody would be happy coming out of church service all, you know, it's like, man, you know, coming out of an amazing conference like that. And during the conference, they were giving um, cut-in-line passes to people, different games. They were sometimes just throwing it in the crowd, and Allison ended up getting a cut-in-line pass. So we stepped outside, and we saw these long lines of people. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we have to wait. Allison, you got the cut-in-line pass. So I'm like, I'm eating wherever you're eating. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to wait that long. So we ended up cutting in front of all these people. People, We got to do it, you know, because we were able to do it because we won it fairly. But the people behind us were not so happy. The guy directly behind me, you got to think about this. This is a church event. The guy directly behind me was so salty, and he was so angry. Wasn't he, Haley? We were sitting there. You know, we're not sitting there. We're standing there telling them our order, getting our food. And then it got even worse because our card wasn't going through. It was not going through. So we were just standing there, and it was not going through. And the guy behind us got so impatient, he started saying, these people cut in front of us. And he's trying to rally everybody up against us. And he's like, and they're broke. They got, they're cut in front of us. They didn't deserve to cut in front of us. I'm like, man, I turn around. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I really just wanted to, like, punch him or something like that. I'm like, hey, Caleb, you're the leader. I'll probably get arrested. This is not good for my image. You know, so I, I did what I could. I was like, hey, man, look, we got these cut-in-line passes. We can be here. So we got to skip all these people. And he said, I don't care. You just shouldn't get here, and you're wasting our time, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And the person that was serving us the food saw all the hate behind us. They ended up giving us the food 
for free because the card wasn't good. I was like, God, you are so good. You work all things together for my good. Favor ain't fair, but it sure is fun, right? So the guy ended up coming, you know, right behind me, and his card wasn't working. I was like, God, you fight my battles. And I even said it to my sister. I was like, this guy's card isn't even working. Look, look at that stupid guy. I mean, I said something rude. And his friend was right next to me. He's like, what'd you say? And I said, I didn't say nothing. I walked off. It's all funny and all. But we got to, you know, rightly cut in front of the line. But have you ever just been, like, cut in front of, like, unjustly? Like, these people didn't deserve to cut in front of you because they just did it because maybe they got impatient, you know? It, it can be really aggravating. And why does people cutting in line bother us so much? It's because it isn't fair. You know, you waited your turn, you paid your dues, you know, you, you, you did your time, and somebody cuts in front of you, you're like, nope, not happening. I don't want somebody to cut in front of me. And whether we're willing to admit it or not, I think each and every one of us want people to get what they deserve. Some people may call it karma. You do this, so you get that. You didn't do this, so you don't get that. What goes around comes around. Somebody ever just do you wrong, you're like, they're going to get what's coming to them. You know what I mean? They talk bad about you. They're going to get what's coming to them. You know, they don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve this. They don't deserve that. But whenever it comes to ourselves, this is something I found out. When it comes to ourselves, we're not so justice-minded. We, we, we like to be on the receiving end of mercy. But whenever somebody else messes up in your life or does something to you, we want to make sure that justice prevails. And I understand this kind of thinking needs to be applied to different areas in our life when it comes to the justice system and different things like that. But I think it's bad whenever this kind of thinking creeps into our theology and it creeps into our faith. Amen? Do you want to know why? Because grace isn't fair. I'm here to tell you tonight that the gospel isn't fair. You know what grace means? The unmerited favor of God. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it, but Jesus came and he died for me and he forgave me. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense, but Jesus came and he paid the price for me. And it's not fair, at least not according to the way that we define fairness. And I want us to look at the story of uh, Zacchaeus tonight. Some of you all may know the story of Zacchaeus. And I want us to take a look at his life and the encounter that he had with Jesus and make three observations from it. It's in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. I'll give you all a second to get there, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Once you get there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, hold up. All right, nobody said hold up, so I guess we're good to go. So it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, it says, Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, 
Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. I love that verse. I want to say that one more time because it's my favorite, favorite part of the scripture. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love that verse so much. I think a lot of times we can complain about, you know, giving of our tithes or giving of our offerings. But this guy right here, he encountered Jesus, and he ended up giving half of everything that he owned to the poor. How many of us could do that? It's because he had an experience with Jesus. Something inside of him was changed. I think that's beautiful. And my first point that I want to make out of this story, and I'm going to touch up on it more, but I want to unpack this sermon to you guys. The first point I want to make Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus. I want to tell you guys who this Zacchaeus guy really was. For those who don't really know, I know it mentioned he was a chief tax collector. But Zacchaeus was not considered a good guy. Do you want to know why? Because as a chief tax collector, collector, yes, he was Jewish. And yes, he was a part of the Israel nation. But it was his responsibility to work for Rome, get the tax money from his own people, and give it to Rome. But a lot of these guys were not looked at good because not only did they take the money that was needed for Rome, but they took extra money and they put it in their pockets, and they got rich off of them, got rich off of everybody. So he was not considered a good guy. He was a thief. He was a crook. He was an extortionist to his own people, extorting their money. And to the public, he didn't deserve Jesus' attention. But yet he was determined to see Jesus. He was determined to see Jesus. Say, turn to somebody and say, you got to be determined. And I was thinking, like, why was this guy so determined to see Jesus? Maybe he thought that Jesus had the answers that he was looking for. Maybe he, knew, maybe he thought that Jesus had the peace that he needed. And I wonder how many people around us in our lives secretly desire to know Jesus. I think a lot of times we're really quick to judge someone's readiness to see God, and we can be dead wrong. Am I right? I mean, I've been there. Someone can be ready to see Jesus, and I could be dead wrong because there's a lot of people in our lives that deeply desire to know God. And they run after a lot of different things, hoping that it fills them up, hoping that they find purpose, hoping that they find what fills them. But they're never going to do it until they find God until they find Jesus. There's a lot of people in our lives like that. And they might be looking for Jesus. They might be looking for God, and their attitudes and actions may not line up with God. But deep down inside of them, they would do anything just to see him. And this comes to my next question. How do we show people Jesus? I want to show people Jesus in my life, right? And I know you want to show people Jesus in your life, because that's what it's all about, being a light to other people. And it's not hard to show people Jesus. You want me to tell you what you have to do? You just have to get out of the way. Just like the story of Zacchaeus. He couldn't see Jesus because he was short. And there were so many people around Jesus. And whenever he had saw this, he had to climb up a tree. And I think many times we are the people that prevent other Zacchaeuses from seeing Jesus. Because sometimes we can give these people an impression 
They feel hopeless. They're hurt. They feel inferior. They feel spiritually short because we give them the impression that the only people that get to see Jesus are those who somehow deserve it. Come on. That ain't right. Do you want to know what keeps hurting, haunted people from seeing Jesus? You want to know? Self-righteousness and self-centeredness. You want to show people Jesus? You got to have a posture of humility and camaraderie to other people. You got to be humble enough to put away who you are and your self-centeredness and self-righteousness and say, hey, I just want to show people Jesus and let his light shine through you because you are not the light. He is the light. You are just a vessel that carries the light. And everywhere that you go, God goes with you. Isn't that amazing? Can you all give God praise? That's awesome. People can see Jesus in us and through us because of us, because of us and our love, humility, and warm embrace. People can see Jesus in you without you even having to say a word. You want to know why? Because his love, grace, and mercy shines through you naturally. There's a lot of people in our lives that are determined to see Jesus. And sometimes we can be so shocked and so surprised. And maybe you have somebody in your life who maybe is far away from God, and you pray for them, you encourage them, you minister to them, you reach out to them. Maybe they just don't really care. I'm going to encourage you, keep on loving them. Keep on praying for them. Remember this one time, there was this girl in middle school, and, you know, whenever I was in middle school, you know, I was still a PK during that time, and I was in seventh grade. This is a seventh grade grader, guys. Seventh grade. I didn't cuss. I didn't do what a lot of other kids do. There were other PKs in the grade, but their lives didn't really line up with God and his word. But I chose to stay pure-hearted, to stay single-hearted for God. I remember I walked into the classroom one day, and it was the first day of school, and I got a assigned seat right next to this girl. Whenever I got sat right next to this girl, she knew who I was. She said, aren't you the pastor's kid? Like, aren't you the one that doesn't cuss, that doesn't do all these different things? I said, yes, I am. And she said, and you believe in God? I said, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in all these things, you know? And she started laughing at me, loud. Seventh grade, I'm not exaggerating. And for the next five months, she made fun of me every single day. She got other people to chime in and making fun of me. Even people who were believers made fun of me because I was different, because I stayed pure, because I didn't say certain things. And I wasn't a weird kid. I, th- I like to think I was a pretty cool kid. I just didn't do a lot of other things, and I was by a girl that hated my guts. You know what I did? I didn't yell back at her. I didn't, you know, say all these mean things to her, spread rumors about her. She was an atheist. Like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of that crap. I don't believe any of that. Sorry, Dad. I said crap. <laughs> But um, you know what I did? I, I went to my room, and I began to pray for her. I prayed every night. I said, God, I know that you've placed me in this classroom right next to her for a reason, and she's far away from you, God. And you are the only one, Jesus, to the Father. You're the only way into heaven, Lord, and I don't want to see her go to hell. I want to see her life changed. I, I want her to experience you, God. I can't do it by my own words, Father God, my own intelligence, God. I stand no match, Father, so I give it to you, Lord. I'm going to hold my mouth. I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm just going to pray for her. Pray for her. That's all I did. So I prayed for her. 
And then one day she came into my classroom because the night before, I've really had a strong impression that God wanted me to intercede for her. Intercede for her. And intercede means to go in between, to go in the gap. If you ever feel that impression for your kids, if you feel that impression for your friends, you feel that impression for family, that's the Holy Spirit leading you to a place of prayer where you can pray for that person. And right there is a divine intervention where God can come in. And she came into the classroom. She sat down right behind me, and she didn't say any of the other things that she used to say. She sat down, and she started weeping. She started crying. And I said, Carla, what's wrong? What's happening? She said, Caleb, last night things were pretty bad at my house. But last night, whenever I was by myself in my room, I felt something I've never experienced before, and I don't know what it was, but I felt something. I thought it was love, and I didn't know what it was, and then you came to my mind, and in that moment, I needed, I got the peace that I needed. I got the strength that I needed, and I said, Carla, that's God. Carla, that's God, and in that moment, I'm not making this up. This is a true story. God can use anybody, no matter what age. I don't care if you're 40 years old and you're at the workplace. God can use you anywhere, anytime, if you're willing. And she gave her life to Jesus in that moment. She started attending a church. May not be our church, but she's attending a church. She gave her life to God because she had an experience, because deep down she was determined to see Jesus. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. I just wanted to share that real quick. But there's people in our lives that are determined to see God. Point number two, Zacchaeus lost it for Jesus. See, Zacchaeus lost his cool in order to see Jesus. You want to know one indicator for that reason, that we say that he lost his cool? He ran. It was very unbecoming for a respectful and dignified man during this Middle Eastern time frame to run the way that he did. And not only did he run, but he climbed up a tree. And running was seen as a sign of desperation. And back in this time, if they in order for them to run, they had to roll up their robes. And for men to show his legs like he did, it was very shameful. And he was desperate to see him. And he climbed up a tree. He, he left his money bags. He left his scrolls. And he left his dignity on, a ground, on the ground just to climb up a tree, just to have a chance to see Jesus. Wouldn't you say that he lost any bit of coal, you know, any bit of coal that he had in his life? And I think this kind of reaction is something that we've all been guilty of in our lives. Whenever we see a celebrity, we can lose our cool. I remember this one time we went to a um, youth trip in Los Angeles. And whenever we were there, we were ministering to people, you know, preaching the gospel. And we were on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, the one with all the, all the stars. I may be wrong on that, but I believe that's Hollywood Boulevard, the one with all the stars. And we had cardboard testimonies. You ever heard of cardboard testimonies? We had written our testimony, what, you know, Jesus had brought us through and just our life so that way we can relate to other people and hopefully, you know, make a change in somebody else's life by seeing them come to Jesus. And we were standing there holding these signs, smiling. Some people were crying, people surrounding us on Hollywood Boulevard. It was amazing. But then somebody was walking by, and that person ended up being a social, social media influencer that was pretty famous. He goes by the name of Cameron Dallas. Girl, you know, if you have any girls in here, do not let them follow him on social media, okay? <laughs> but um, they had seen Cameron Dallas, and they were so infatuated by Cameron Dallas, they ended up screaming, oh, my gosh. And I, can, I, I won't forget, they, some of them dropped their signs. 
this is like, I gave my life to Jesus because of drugs and all this stuff was, I was at the end of my, oh my gosh, and they like began to cry, and they came to him, and they took pictures, and they have those pictures probably still to this day, and they have them hung up on the wall, and it wasn't just our youth group, it was different youth groups, you know what I mean? And it was just super funny because these girls, they lost their cool, and they were just like, oh, my gosh, Cameron Dallas, oh, and they just, like, ran. It was the funniest thing, but then they came back, you know, and they wiped off all their tears and snot and everything like that and got back into the cardboard testimony. But we lose our cool whenever we see celebrities. Just telling you all a funny story about that. And we can lose our cool whenever we're falling in love. You know, you ever just get, like, a text message from your crush? You get a t- remember, t- I'm going to take you back, take you back. Maybe you saw your, your, the, you know, your future husband or wife for the very first time. You got the butterflies. Nowadays, it's like, oh, my gosh, she liked my picture on Instagram. She put a smiley face emoji on there, bro. Go after it. That's that. She, she wants you. You get the butterflies, and you lose your coin. Oh, my gosh, you know, they liked my picture. Oh, my gosh, I just got a text message with the smiley emoji. They sent me the kissy face. We lose our cool whenever we're falling in love. We lose our cool whenever we see a celebrity. But we, lose our, we should lose our cool whenever we come to Jesus. We can, you know, celebrate all these different things. But I want you to know that when you come to Jesus, you can't come to Jesus and keep your cool. You don't come to Jesus swagged out or strutting. You don't come to Jesus like that. You come to Jesus broken. You come to Jesus desperate. You come to Jesus saying, hey, I'll do whatever it takes just to get a glimpse of who you really are. Come on. That's how it should be every time we come to this place. Because God uses brokenness. God loves broken things. And this is where we find Zacchaeus. He had come to the end of himself, and he needed something more. And he didn't know it at the time. But in all his effort to see Jesus, it was going to be nothing compared to what Jesus was going to do for him. See, Zacchaeus did whatever it took to see Jesus, but Jesus did whatever it took to save Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus went up on a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus and hung out right there, but Jesus hung on a tree for him to save him. He died on the cross for him. And not only did he die on the cross for for me, and not only for Zacchaeus, but he died, he died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for you. Z- Jesus lost his cool just so that way he can save you. But how many of you know he didn't stay there? Three days later, he rose. And he had the, key, the keys to hell, and he set us free. And no matter what you've done to reach God, I want you to know tonight that God has done more. God has done so much more. No matter how much you want God, God wants you more. No matter what you've done for Jesus, no matter what you're willing to do for Jesus, Jesus has already done it for you. And the very fact that you desire God is an indication that he has already made a way for you to be reconciled. He's already made a way. Say, turn to somebody and say, he's made a way. And here's my third point. So we learned that Zacchaeus, he was determined to see Jesus. Number two, he lost it for Jesus. And then point number three. He knows your name. You turn to somebody and say, he knows your name. I, I want you to notice something in the story because all that Zacchaeus did was climb a tree. He, he just climbed a tree. He didn't say anything. He didn't answer to an altar call. He didn't promise change. 
He just wanted to see Jesus. And that simple fact alone was enough to stop God in his tracks. And out of all the people that Jesus could have called out, out of all the people that Jesus could have spent time with, he chose the least deserving guy. And not only did he choose him, but he called him by name. I want to read this verse to you guys. In verse 5 of that story, it says, Zacchaeus, this is Jesus talking, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And I think sometimes we think we're on our own quest to find an elusive God that's hiding from us. But the truth is, Jesus spotted Zacchaeus in the crowd. He saw Zacchaeus up there. We have a God that's so big and so small at the same time. He, he's so big. Think about this. God is so big that I can't even comprehend him. He's so big. He created the universe. He made every human soul. He made every animal. He made every region. He made everything. Man thinks we're so big and strong and intelligent because we make all these smartphones and technology. Do you know where we got the resources to make those things? God created it first. Everything comes from God. He created all things. But yet he's so small that he knows the intimate details of your existence. He knows every little thing about you. And this God wants you to know him. I want somebody to know God wants you to know him. He wants you to love him, and he wants you to be loved by him. And this God, the same God who could do anything that he wants, he chooses to spend the day with you. And this God knows you like no other, and he loves you like no other. Regardless of your past, regardless of your pedigree, regardless of what you did or didn't do, if Jesus wants you, he's going to find you. And if he could find Zacchaeus up in a tree, then he can find you wherever you're at in life. I don't know where you're at in life tonight. I don't know where you're going to go, where you're going to be. I'm going to tell you tonight, you're never too far from God to come back to him. He can find you in brokenness. He can find you in depression. He can find you in weakness. He can find you in addiction. He can find you in the lowest moment of your life and pick you back up. He can find you in the greatest moment of your life. Jesus is the type of person who will stop underneath your fig tree and you will say, and he will call you by name. He will call you by name. That's the God that we serve. And it's not about our actions. It's not about our merits. It's not about how good I am. It's about how good he is. Because his grace and mercy, how many of you guys are thankful for the grace and mercy of God that rushes towards you whenever you show the smallest inclination towards him? He'll find us. Call us and never let us go. Salvation is by God, for God, and through God. And I'm about to come to a close right now. I'm closing. Thank you, Matt. It makes me sound more dramatic and epic and everything like that with the piano behind me. It's all about Jesus, folks. And here we come to the end of the story. Zacchaeus got his wish. He got his wish. He got what he wanted. He didn't deserve it, but he got it. Not only did he get to see Jesus, but now Jesus, Jesus, God in the flesh, the visible image of an invisible God walking on this earth who was going to be crucified for us to save us from eternal death, to save us from everything that we deserve. Not only was he going to be able to see him, but now Jesus, the one with all the answers, was coming to his house. It says in verse 6, that Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him immediately. 
He welcomes him gladly. He couldn't believe it. Zacchaeus couldn't believe his eyes that Jesus was coming to his house. But I want you to know that the onlookers weren't so pleased. The crowd wasn't so happy. They wanted to see Jesus. They had needs. They wanted to spend time with Jesus. And yet, Jesus picks out the least deserving one. The one who is an extortionist, who's a crook, who's a bad guy, who steals from his own people, the one who didn't deserve it. He chose him and spent time with him. And the people in the crowd, it says in verse 7, all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Because Jesus was a friend of sinners. He's a friend of me. He died for me while I was still a sinner. He loves me. And I would have muttered too, unless I was Zacchaeus. And that's the point of the whole passage. That Jesus didn't come for the most deserving, but Jesus came for the least deserving. He didn't come for those who have it all together. He came for those whose lives are falling apart. He wanted to show the people that it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter where you come from, I'm here for you and I will always be there for you. I didn't come to give you what you deserve, I came to give you what I deserve. And at the end of the day, we all need Jesus. We just don't all recognize it. And on the other hand, we can get in a center complex. We can be so fixated on our mistakes, what we did, what we didn't do, that whenever Jesus shows up, because Jesus is in this place, and he tries to show us love, he tries to show us mercy, and he inches his way in, and he's saying, hey, I'm here for you. And a lot of times we can stiff arm him with self-imposed condemnation, say, no, I've messed up. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the phone with people. They say, Caleb, I've gone too far. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm saying, hey, just go back to Jesus. Just come back to the cross. You're never too far gone. There's, you're never too far gone. Just like the prodigal son, you could go out, do your own thing, but Jesus is always going to be here for you, and he'll always take care of you. And here's the most beautiful part of the story right here. I think it's the most beautiful part. It's awesome. Zacchaeus simply had an encounter with Jesus. He just had an encounter with Jesus. And something inside of him, because he had an encounter with Jesus, prompted him to say, I've been forgiven. I've been accepted. I may have done wrong, but I want to give back. I may have taken, but I want to give away. I may have done this. I may have messed up a thousand times in my life, but I need to change because I had an experience with my Savior. I had an experience with Christ. I want to change. He just simply encountered him. And Jesus' response to this revelation is, today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. And I think this reveals a Savior who goes to the back of the line, who picks the least deserving person, and he takes him straight up to the front and say, hey, you can come right here. You, you can be there. But God, I don't deserve it. I messed up too much. You know who I am? I'm a tax. No, 
I love you. You can be right here. You can stay right there. Because Jesus is like the fast pass. He's like the fast pass at Disney World. He's like the cut in line pass at Lakewood Church during the food trucks. He's like the, 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 the flash pass at Fiesta, Texas. He takes you where you are and he brings you to the very front and you get to skip in front of everybody else saying, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it, but I am here because Jesus let me be here because he died on the cross for me. And that's what happened with Zacchaeus. He didn't deserve Jesus' attention, but yet Jesus saw him and he placed him to the front and he skipped all of the people in an instant. It was unexpected. It was undeserved. And the truth, and it's still true to us today. Jesus is knocking at our door. We just need to respond. I'm so thankful that God doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm so thankful that he accepts me by grace and not the law. I want somebody to hear this tonight. Jesus didn't come to give you what you deserve. You may say, I deserve this. I deserve that. I don't, I don't deserve God. I don't deserve a second chance. Let me tell you, he didn't come to give you what you deserve. He came to give you what he deserves. Because it was in the law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I did this, so I deserve that. But with Jesus coming into the equation, he's saying, hey, I, don't know, I know you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to give you healing. I'm going to give you prosperity. I'm going to touch you because I love you. Because I died on the cross for you. And his grace is the reason that you can have peace with God and with yourself. And you can skip the never-ending line of legalism, self-effort, and dead works whenever you find God. He's picked you. He's called you. And now he's, he's picked you. He's, he's called you. He's found you. And he's calling you by name. And he's standing at the door of each and every one of our hearts. And let me tell you the best part. All you got to do is open it. You just got to open it. Come on, church, can we just stand to our feet tonight before we get released? That's it. I'm done. Whatever you want to play, man. Hey, why don't you come up to the front, too? Can we just take a moment right now to worship God before we get out? Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.